Hallelujah, God. Father, we call on you right now to become more real in our hearts and our lives in this season than you ever have before. We pray that you would permeate, that you would purify, that you would seal us with your holy presence. I declare and I release fresh revelation of your beauty, of your devotion, and of your zeal for your church, for your bride. I declare and release a fresh anointing to arise in the church again with the power to call upon the open heaven and to pull heaven into an evasion in this earth. I declare that the word would go forth tonight, it would cut, it would pierce, it would uproot, it would declare and it would plant, it would prosper in our lives. I declare tonight through the preaching of the word that there would be a shift in the atmosphere, a shift in our minds, and a shift in our hearts. I pray that the bowls of heaven that have been filled with our prayers, that have been filled with intercession, that have been filled, God, with the words of faith that we have been prophesying and declaring, I pray that they would be tipped in the favor of the church tonight. I pray that fresh rains, the fresh rivers, and fresh flow would begin to flow in the body of Christ once again. I pray that the church would arise with an anointing, with a confidence to declare, to declare the holy word of God once again, to proclaim the word of God again. I declare, I prophesy tonight that the church be awakened, that the hearts of your children be awakened, to be stirred, to come back to their first love again. I prophesy tonight that you would call us to a higher level to a higher level to a higher heaven that we our eyes may be open that we may see you father that you may burn the sin out of our life that you may pierce us and forever mark us and forever change us in your divine presence father we prophesy a move of god we declare it in the name of jesus we declare a new level we declare a new level we declare a fresh understanding and a fresh revelation. So let it be. In the name of Jesus Christ, so let it be. So let it be by the power of Messiah. No greater name, so let it be by the name of Jesus. And the church says amen. Glory to God. Turn me tonight in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23. So I was seeking the Lord and I was praying about what to speak. I started a couple weeks ago and I'm real good with, with um, doing series. I think I started a series, I think at the beginning of the year, in Song of Songs that I never finished. And then I started a series on Open Heaven and I did one week and that's about as far as I got. But um, prayerfully, I'll get back to it. I think I will get back to it next week. I just God is just doing something, and He's doing something fresh, and I just want to be led by His Spirit, Amen. But you know, when you're preaching and you have to preach on Wednesday, you usually want to have your sermon done by Monday. 
you know, at least a couple days. So when Wednesday morning rolls around and you still don't have your sermon, you get a little nervous. And it's not necessarily when you've been preaching as long as some of us that you can't get a sermon, but it's the Word of God, amen, that you want to get. I heard a preacher say one time that you get up there and you talk about money and God ain't talking about money, then you're lying to the people. And I don't want to lie to you ever. I want to tell you what God is saying at that season and time, amen? But I began to talk to God this morning. I began to tell God, because he already knew, but I like to tell him stuff sometimes. And I told him, I said, now listen, i got to preach you know, tonight, so um, I don't know why you haven't given me anything. You know, my papa is going to be there tonight. And so, you know, he's going to be expecting me to preach to him. So you're going to have to give me something to preach. And I felt that, you know, that, that holy, those holy, holy Ghost doodads, you know, you ever get those? And so when you get those, you pretty much know you're on target. For the most part, anyways. But God spoke to me and he said, I want you to get your wife to tag team with you tonight. And um, it was like 10 o'clock, and um, so I knew that I heard from the Spirit of God, but now I had to convince her that I heard from the Spirit of God, and she was going to hear from the Spirit of God. So I call her, and it's a, she don't get to call me back to 1130 because she's in class. She looks beautiful in her scrubs tonight. So she's in class, and man, I tell her, and I got these, I mean, I'm fired up when I'm telling her. I'm getting these Holy Ghost doodads. I'm thinking, man, I've, I've heard the voice of God, and um, I'm waiting for her to be like, oh, man, I don't really know about that. But um, praise God that she felt the same thing I felt. I want to minister to you tonight. I'm going to talk, and then she's going to talk, and I'm just going to, I'm going to talk to you tonight. I'm going to try not to preach at you, but I'm going to try to talk to you tonight about strongholds. I believe that the foundation over the last couple of weeks has been laid. With Pastor, a couple of weeks ago, he preached about out of Jonathan, and he talked about that God is going to do great wonders among you, so you must purify yourself. And he talked about that the preparation that the church may, must make, and he talked about the preparation of repentance in order for us to, we have to go through a preparation, through a process, in order to get in the position to receive the greater wonders, right? The greater works that God wants to do in this time, in this season, amen? And then Uncle Don, he gets up and he preaches Sunday morning, and he preaches about a new level, but then he preaches all this stuff, and man, the church, we love to get excited, but it's when that preacher gets right down to the end of it, and he begins to tell us what we have to do to actually get that. Right? There's always a process, amen, that God gives us in order to, to receive the fullness of His Word. So He's talking about a new level, and He's talking about the glory of God, and He's talking about greater works, and He's talking about seeing these signs, wonders, and miracles. And then He talks about that you've got to get the stones out of your life. Because He told Lazarus, He said, the only way that Lazarus could come out and follow, follow the Word of God is that the stone be removed, amen? And so, we have stones in our life. We have strongholds in our life. We have preparation that we have to make to break these strongholds in order to see the greater works that God wants to do in our lives. Amen? And God has begun a process in me over the last month. And I'm just going to get real, real with you tonight. You ever wonder what pastors go through? Some of you think you know, but maybe you don't. So tonight, I'm going to tell you what I've been going through over the last month. Amen? We have, this this Friday and this Saturday, I believe it's two days of memorial. I believe that we will look back in 2012 and we will realize that those two dates were two of the most significant dates that this church has ever been a part of.
And what we are doing, we are coming in here on Friday and we are coming in here on Saturday following the leading of the Spirit. There may be words of knowledge, words of wisdom. We may be praying, we may be singing, we may be worshiping. We may have nothing but silence. But what we are doing, we are identifying strongholds in our life. And once we identify them, we are attacking them with the revelation of the cross. Because in order for us to be the free church, in order for the community to be free, the church has to be free, amen? But in order for the church to be free, the family has to be free. In order for the family to be free, the individuals in the house to be free. So when the individuals in the house are free, then the, and then the, then the home can be free. And when the home can be free, then the church can be free. And when the church can be free, the community can be free. But the church has been trying to break a, break strongholds off of a community when the church has strongholds themselves. Amen. So we're going to break strongholds. Amen. We're going to break them individually. We're going to break them off marriages. We're going to break them off generational curses. And I'll get into that in just a minute. We are going to break strongholds off the ministries. We're going to break strongholds off worship teams. We're going to break strongholds off mindsets and perspective and viewpoint of what we think God should be and how we think God should work. And we're going to break strongholds. And then we're going to move into the rest of this year setting this community free. Amen. Cool, right? Sounds like a plan, Stan. First Thessalonians 5 and 23. And then may the God of peace make you holy in every way. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes. What I want to talk about here is I want to point out the last the last the last verse there. Here in First Thessalonians five and twenty three, it identifies our body. It identifies us as a human being, being made up of body, soul, and spirit. Of three different categories, amen. The first being the body, I want to point out. The body is the shell. That's what it is. And I know there's a lot of different teachings on this. And one thing I've realized from God, I've realized that when in His Word, there may be many te- there may be many, many different avenues and many different interpretations. So don't shut me off because you've heard a different interpretation. Just be open. Hey, if you don't like it, you don't like it. But it works for me, so maybe it'll work for you. We are made up of a body. So the body is the shield. It's, it, it, it's just the covering and it's this skin and this flesh and it's the muscles inside of me. And then, in our, in our, and then it's our soul. And our soul represents our will. It represents our mind. It represents our emotions. The soul represents the fleshly nature of mankind. Our, and it is our soul that is our sinful nature. It's our soul where strongholds are set up. Strongholds are set up in emotions, amen. Strongholds are set up with habits. My habits don't come from my body, and my habits don't come from my spirit, but my habits come from what my eye sees and my eyes begin to desire, amen. That's where my habits come from. My habits and my strongholds come from somewhere along the way. My eyes seen something, my mind imagined something, and I begin to crave that, and I begin to create a habit, and therefore it created strongholds in my life. So strongholds are in the soul, strongholds are not in the body, strongholds are not in the spirit, but strongholds are set up inside of the soul of man. And our spirit is the part of man, the part of the human being that houses the spirit of God. 
The Spirit of God does not abide in the body. The Spirit of God does not abide in the soul. But the Spirit of God abides in the spirit of man. Because you see, the spirit will not, the spirit will not be one with your soul. The spirit will not be one with your emotions. The spirit will not be one with your desires. The spirit will not be one with your dreams. The spirit will not be one with your visions. But the spirit is only one with that that is completely submissive to him. We are made up. We are made from our, we are made, let me get this right. We are made for our spirit to be one with the spirit of God. That's what we were made for. In the Garden of Eden, God was not bored. But He created Adam and Eve to be dictated and be led by the Spirit of God. He did not create them for their bodies to lead. That's why they didn't even see that they were naked. He did not create them for their soul to lead them, for their desires to lead them, but He created them for their spirits to be one with the Spirit of God. He created them so that He could have fellowship in the cool of the day. And so, our original purpose in our creation was for me and for you to be one with the Spirit of God. For our spirit to be led by His Spirit. We were made to think like God. Wow. We were made to act like God. We were made to rule with God. We were made in His image. I said we were made in the image of God. It was God's purpose. He had in the garden of Eden. It was his purpose for dominion to reign in the garden. And you know what he was, what his plan was? His plan, the world was outside the garden. The garden was here and the world was outside. But it was God's purpose for men and women to multiply through Adam and Eve, to multiply through Adam and Eve with one mindset, not controlled by the body, not controlled by the soul, but controlled by the spirit. It was his will for a world to be created inside the garden of Eden and for it to expand with the people that were led by the spirit of God but what happened strongholds begin to form why because the soul agreed with the devil Adam came to Eve and he came to Adam the devil came to Adam and he came to Eve and what did he do he tipped their soul The enemy doesn't tempt my spirit. The enemy tempts my soul because it is my soul that gives forth desires, that causes me to sin, that gives forth death. That puts me in bondage and separates me from a loving father. Amen? Thank you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I wish I wouldn't ask her to teach with me. His soul begins to lead him at this time. His will, his mind, his desires lead his life, leads his life instead of the Spirit of God. Sin at this time was released into mankind, forming strongholds. Strongholds are formed by habits, by agreeing with the temptation and agreeing with the devil. If I don't read this, she won't ever get to say anything. I do, I do believe now, at this season of my life, I do believe in generational junk. I believe in generational curses. Some of you may say, well, that's not biblical because it says in Galatians that he who hung on the tree took our curses. That's right. But it also says he who hung on the tree took our sin and we still have sin, right? We still have sin. We still have curses. Amen. 
There was this dog one time that was pregnant. And it got ran over. The dog survived, but they cut its legs off, okay? And it had these puppies. But the mama had to pull it up around like this. Now, all these puppies were born with four legs and had the capability of walking. But because they seen what the generation before them did, because they seen what their mama did, these puppies that had the capability of walking on four legs did not walk on four legs, but they eliminated their back legs and began to crawl just like their mama. You must watch what you say and watch what you do in front of your children. And you must face your giants and your mountains because you will pass the to your children. I am, I am parenting a nine-year-old child right now that has anger issues. You want me to tell you why I have anger issues? Because I have anger issues. That's why. Can I just be real? You want me to tell you why I have anger issues? Because my dad had anger issues. Amen. You want me to tell you why my dad had anger issues? Because my grandpa did. You don't know why my grandpa did? Because his father did. Have we dealt with them? Yes, we've dealt with them. But they're generational junk that is passed down. And God's looking for a generation that will rise up and say, My soul will not lead my life, but it's the Spirit of God within inside of me that will say, Back up, devil, off this generation. I declare a Spirit-led generation. We must quit submitting to our flesh. We must stop submitting to our sinful nature and submit to the Spirit of God. My God, my God, my God, my God. The separation of God and mankind begin right there. When Adam agreed, when Eve agreed, and said, you know what, maybe we can be like God. Maybe we can have power like God. You did have power like God. You can have power like God if you'll be obedient. Listen to this, Romans 7 and 18. For I know that in me, that is my flesh, nothing good dwells. Nothing in my soul, nothing in my fleshly nature. He talks about it in Romans chapter 8 and Galatians chapter 5. He talks about that they are constantly in warfare against each other. They are constantly bickering and fighting because the spirit has the desire to lead according to this righteous and holy. But the soul says, live by your own will. Throw the spirit of God out and live by your pleasure. That's where strongholds come in at. When I begin to do it my way, when I begin to allow my my spirit to lead, the, my soul to lead this thing, strongholds are formed because I was built, I was made for the spirit of God to be on top. What we have done, we have suppressed the spirit of God and we have raised our soul over the spirit of God in our life. That's what's wrong with the American church. We got people in the pulpit, people pastoring, people leading the church that are led by their soul and not by the Spirit of God. And that's why the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit no longer move in the church because we are a soulistic church led by the flesh of man that says, give me money, give me a mega church. Why God says, give me souls. We must be led by the Spirit of God. We must put our flesh under subjection. It must be crucified. 
Our spirits must become one with the Spirit of God in order to overthrow these strongholds that are in our soul. In order to overthrow the strongholds, in order to overthrow the junk that has set itself up against the power of God, and the rule of God, and the dominion of God, and the desires of God, and the plans of God in our life. In order to overthrow that junk that opposes God, we must allow the Spirit to consume us. How do you do it? Just, man, I tell you one way, just pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm not playing. Just start praying in tongues. When you wake up in the morning, just start praying in tongues. I dare someone to wake their family up tomorrow morning praying in tongues. When you lay your head down to rest at night, pray in tongues. Pray in the power of the Holy Ghost. It works for me, man. I'm telling you what right now. I love to pray in tongues. I'd pray in tongues right now if I knew that all of y'all wouldn't disagree with it. Philippians 2 and 12. Listen to this. This is awesome. Work out your own plan of salvation with fear and trembling. Now in the Greek, this is, this is talking about, this is referring to the soul and the spirit. It says work out your own plan of salvation. It's literally saying you've got to get a hold of the spirit of God with your spirit. And it's not a work from outside like the Pharisees and Sadducees, but it's a work from the inside out. We work our spirit, connected it with the spirit of God, and we work from the inside out, and we work those fleshly desires, we work those lusts of the flesh, we work those addictions out of our life. You're working it out through the spirit of God. You're working the sin out. You're working your salvation out with fear and trembling according to the word of God. That's what, that's what that means. It means to work from the inside out, working your spirit over your soul and commanding your soul to bow down. It's time that we rise up and command the soul to bow. Hey, listen, I don't know what your strongholds are. But one thing I've learned over the last week, that it's a process. The spirit of religion likes to arise in our life and say, hey, hold on, it's not a process. You can just get right in the presence of God, everything's fine. And I used to think that. And hey, if it works for you, it works for you, okay? But you've got to be careful because that stuff likes to hide. You hear me? And what we have allowed people to do in the Pentecostal church, in the Pentecostal movement, if you cry or you fall out of the Spirit, you're delivered. Bull. That ain't true. You know how many times I fell out in the Spirit? You know how many times I've speak in tongues? You know how many times that I've laid hands on the sick and headaches gone away? You know how many times that I've prayed in the Holy Ghost? You know how many times I've stood behind this pulpit and preached? Emotions has nothing to do with it, church. It is a process, amen. It is a process God takes us through that our spirit has to be willing to submit to the Spirit of God. I also always thought this. God's changing my mindset. See, my my thing is religion. So, I was religious enough that if I identified the stronghold, then that was fine. It's not enough to identify it. you got to deal with it. To identify is not to deal. To identify is not to deal. To die is to deal. To die is to deal with it. I can stand up and tell you all my junk, and I can tell you all most of your junk. Because I pray for you. And God talks. But I choose to keep my mouth shut. 
for us to identify and keep, that's that's the problem with the church we don't want to die and if we don't die we're continually to live by the soul the soul has to die what did Paul say Paul said I die daily do you want me to tell you something what's the hardest thing you will ever, ever go through in life death death is hard but why were there horns on the altar so a living sacrifice could be tied to the horns so a wind crawl off it's time that we tie our soul to the altars to the horns of the altar and refuse to crawl off let the spirit lead this thing man Well, I'm skipping over a bunch of stuff, Jennifer. Listen, strongholds are broken through a revelation of who God is. Strongholds are broken through a revelation of the cross. Amen? Strongholds are broken through fasting. Strongholds are broken through prayer. Strongholds, let me tell you how strongholds are broken. The things you don't want to do. You hear me? That's how you break strongholds. Hey, if it's something that your flesh don't want to do, then hey, you're breaking something. Hey, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, man. It's going to fight you. It's going to fight you tooth and nail. I don't know what your strongholds in your life. It may be nicotine. It may be pornography. It may be marital problems. It may be alcohol. It may be cussing. It may be anger. It may be unforgiveness. It may be judgment. I don't know what your strongholds are. But one thing I know, that it's inside the soul. But when the soul is crucified with fasting, with prayer, and with the divine revelation of an almighty God, that sent his only begotten son who said I will not spare anything but I'll give you all I have and when he hung there on Calvary and he stretched out his arms and said it is finished then at that time my fleshly nature could be baptized in the death of Jesus Christ and my spirit resurrected with his spirit on a third day invasion in the church yeah let me talk to you about my story now let me get, get, get into my testimony I want to talk to you about my strongholds and what God's been doing over the last few weeks. My strongholds, one of the biggest ones is religion. Man, I, I have had, I don't even know where, I know where it came from. My daddy said one time, this was a long time ago. I don't know if he'd say something like it. Now we've lost so many people. He's talking about religious spirits. So, hey, don't hold him accountable for anything I say because I say some crazy stuff up here sometimes. He's talking about religious spirits. And he said, you know what about those religious spirits? He said, the church created them. The church created this religious spirit. But, man, you don't talk about judgment. And I'm not only going to talk, I'm about to get on some people's toes, too, along with my judgment, criticism, and jealousy. Uh, Competitiveness in 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 the church. I didn't want anyone to preach better than me. Pride. Too prideful to admit that I didn't already know that. You tell me, son, I don't know. Oh, yeah, glory to God. I was praying the other day. It's a religious spirit. And man, it, was, it controlled my life. I, re, I would identify, get emotionally stirred, and nothing happened. I'd go on for a couple weeks and I was fine. Man, I'd run to the altar because there was a freedom call. And I'd be like, man, I'm sick of this junk. I know this isn't God's will. But it all started with a prayer that I prayed. Back on August 23rd. Sitting there at, at, sitting there at, um, with CF and I. And I began to pray. And I, you see, if you pray real prayers to God, then you get a real God. You pray fake prayers to God, you don't get anything. 
But I sat there that day because I knew I was, I, I knew I was at a critical place in my life. And I said, you know what? I'm either going to be a normal good Christian or I'm going to go all out and go broke for this thing. And so I prayed a prayer that day that said, listen, God, you got to break me. You got to mold me and you got to shape me. I don't want to be anybody else, but I want to be you. Prayer, prayer. I don't want to be anybody else, but I want to be the walking, living Jesus Christ, the salt of the earth in this generation. And so that's what I prayed. And immediately, man, God started jacking with me. We come home that Friday night. Man, I've been praying and calling fast and calling prayer means forever at this church. And then my brother, he gets, he gets saved at CFNI. <laughs> and he wants to text me on a Friday night. Asking me if I want to come to prayer meeting. The first thing that came to my mind, no, I don't want to come to prayer meeting. Man, I've been calling those things for years. You ain't ever come. Neither has anybody else. Why would I want to come? I'm being real, man. I'm being real. You have strongholds too. So it's about time we start getting real with God because he knows it anyways. And so anyways, I start dealing with these strongholds, man. And I'm like, I know that can't be right. And so I'm like, I'm going to prayer meeting. And then dad calls me. Hey, did you get your text from Michael? Yeah, dad, I got it. Why don't you rub some salt in there? He knew what he was doing. The Spirit of God was leading him. I said, of course, Dad. I'm, I've been waiting for someone to help me out with this for years. Instead of being excited. Because someone was jumping on board. You see, that religious spirit don't want to jump on board with anybody. It wants everyone to jump on board with them. I don't know why in the world that we want the glory for ourselves. You know what kind of job he has? <laughs> he has to listen to me and you all the time. We don't want the glory. We don't want to be God. We want to serve God. So, so God begins, he begins to, to, to get me closer. And he begins to cause me to disappear, okay? And then we're down here a couple weeks later. And, and Damon Thompson, he's up here preaching. And he says, man, what if I brought Jesus Christ? What if I bar, brought him out? And, I, and, I, and he stretched out his nail-scarred hands. How would you react? I said to myself, I don't know how I'll react. Let me tell you why I didn't know how I react. Because I had too much emotion, too much religion, and not enough revelation. And that's what the spirit of religion does. And it runs rampant in the church of America. It runs rampant in Pentecostal churches. And it, it simplifies and it gives the people a move of emotion and a move, a move of, a move of religion. And it gives the people a, just a move of falling out in the spirit and just mess with our emotions. But it doesn't, ne- it never gives us revelation. And so from that time on, I said, God, I don't know how I would act. If Jesus Christ was standing there before me, I know how I act in church when I get excited, but I do not know how I'd act if I literally see you face to face. I need you to remove the emotion. I need you to move, remove the religion from me, and I need more revelation. We need more revelation. Because the only way that strongholds are broken are through revelation. The only way strongholds are broken is through a relationship, my spirit and his spirit. So I said, God, you've got to give me revelation. I've got to move past this in my life. I've got to move past this religious spirit. There has to be more. There has to be a depth with you, I cried out, God. These are my strongholds. And so my brother calls me the next Wednesday and he begins to tell me about this soul and this spirit stuff. Isn't it funny how God's using my brother? The one that for years, when he stood up here, I felt like he was, we were just clashing. 
I felt like we had two, two, two different visions, two different dreams. Just being real. Because some of you have some real strongholds, and I want you to know that I'm dealing with them too. Just because I stand behind this pulpit doesn't mean I'm perfect. It means I'm washed in the blood. That's what it means. And I told God, I didn't, I didn't really have, I, I listened to him, but I didn't have li- really time to listen to him because I was getting a sermon together. But then the Spirit calls back again Thursday through Michael, and he begins to tell me. And I'm sitting in my sister's parking lot, I just got through working out, and I'm like, I'm going to go rest. And he starts telling me about this, and the Spirit of God says, I've already been at the church. The Spirit of God says, go back to the church and wait to go pick up your kids. So I come back to the church, and I begin to cry out to God, and I begin to say, God, uncover in my life. Let me, let me, I, let me just read my prayer that I prayed. Unveil, uncover the truth of my soul, of my sinful nature. Remove the cover of the religious spirit that has preached a watered down righteousness, a watered down holiness, a watered down gospel over my spirit, man. Let the truth of the spirit of God rise to the top of my spirit so I really would be led by the spirit and live and see the true gospel over my soul. My soul dictated by your spirit that my soul would submit to the spirit of God. Amen. And that's what I prayed. And then I began to pray in the Holy Ghost. And I got burnt. I prayed in the Holy Ghost for about 20 minutes. And that's when I realized the spirit began to let up in me. And I quit praying. And that's when I realized, hey, this thing's a process. But I got burnt Thursday. And I, I was really burnt before, but I didn't see the market of the burning until last Thursday. And then Friday I wake up and the first thing on my mind is, man, I gotta search my soul. I'm getting this stuff out of my soul. I'm breaking these strongholds, God. And Friday morning, man, I wake up, I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. I come to prayer meeting Friday night. As soon as I walk in the door and the worship starts, I start praying to the Holy Ghost. And I'm saying, God, break these strongholds. Break these strongholds. Break the judgment. Break the criticism. Break the competitive spirit break the pride tear it out of me god and i go home after worship and i wake up saturday morning i go work out with my buddy scott if you don't have a place to work go work at gym 101 get in shape amen feel great about yourself so i come up here afterwards and man i'm just having a normal prayer time grandma but that normal prayer time turned to something on the inside of me you see, it is God's will for His Spirit to connect with our spirit and to possess our soul and to push our soul down and break strongholds in the Spirit to rise to the top and lead us. And for the first time in my life, I literally felt the Spirit of God possess me. I felt inside of me chains being broken, strongholds being broken inside of me. And as I sat there, I cried and I prayed and I began to feel that criticism and that judgment and that pride begin to break inside of me and me begin to be completely loosed. And then I seen a vision of humble. Because God told me the only way that you will stay clear of the spirit of religion is through humility. Now, I have a spelling problem and a reading problem. You can't tell when I'm up here, but I do. But anyways, the word humble came up in this vision. H-U-M-B-L-E. I never spell it right. Never. I hope I just spelled it right then. But I never spell it right. So I'm like, okay, God. If this is really... I'm going to see if I spelled this thing right. And I wrote... I, I put in my phone what I remember seeing. And I spelled it right. The Spirit, when 
my soul, when I begin to yield and I begin to crucify my soul, that's when the Spirit of God begin to rise over. And strongholds begin to break in my life. Am I telling you that it's done? No, it's, no, it's not done. It's process. You have to continue to keep this stuff under the blood of Jesus. How do I know? Because I sat right there Sunday morning and Uncle Don stood up here preaching the same things I've been preaching and you were preaching with them. I said, well, they didn't preach with me like that. <laughs> you know what I said? Get behind me, devil. <laughs> I'm being real, man. Hey. God knows it anyways. Dutch sheets, he's, he talks about, he talks about having a problem with anger. He said, man, that stuff's under the blood. He said, but there's sometimes I get in traffic and you know what? I get angry. Hey man, I put anger under the blood about a year and a half ago. Maybe a year ago. But sometimes I still get angry. We have to stay on top of the strongholds. How do we stay on top of the strongholds? By keeping our spirit, our soul under subjection to the word of God. Amen. Jennifer, come on. I told her she had 15 minutes and we're right on time. Um, Maybe I got a lion problem too. (laughs) (laughs) Now I don't have that Holy Ghost sass that he has, so it's going to be a little more practical. He, when he asked me, he called me and he's like, you know, Jennifer, I want you to pretty much just give your testimony. I want you to just be real. And I'm like, okay, I have a problem with that. But then that nervousness kind of hit me, and I'm like, how real do you want me to be? Like, okay, how real are we talking here? But I'm just going to be as real as as I can. And um, first of all, on my way home, I was thinking about myself and and just the different strongholds that I have struggled with. Um, and that's what he asked me to to really just bring out. And I'm going to name the three. Uh, that's kind of four, but two of them go together. But it was insecurity, vanity, guilt, and shame were like my three biggies. Um, and I, first of all, Ephesians 5 and 26 says, it talks about how Christ gave himself up for the church. And he says to make her holy by cleansing her, by the washing with the water through the word. And so... When he was saying this, he, he's saying the word of God, that's where that cleansing comes in. That's where how we're going to be washed clean of these strongholds. It's not like Stephen said, it's not. I remember telling this lady one time we were talking to her and she she had this really strong addiction to painkillers. And she wanted to have this meeting and wanted us to pray for her. And she, you know, was wanting this experience and for it to be broke off and her not to have to deal with it anymore. And that's great. If, if that happens, that's all fine. And I know God can do things like that. But I remember telling her, I said, okay, your stronghold's broken right now. The Spirit of God has broken your stronghold, but now you're going to have to break your habit. She had a habit to reach. When she was feeling, you know, those feelings, she would reach for it. So with me, that it, it was the same thing with me. You know, there, and to give you all the detail of like when I was two, it started and all that. I mean, you all know that over time, things that our parents put into us, things that, you know, it just, it creates strongholds in our lives. And so I want to point out with Esther, if you read in Esther 2 and 12, it talks about how she had to go through basically these bridal cleansing things. And sometimes they would last six months. Hers lasted six months, but sometimes these bridal cleansings would last a year, sometimes a little over a year. And so that shows you right there that that in itself, it takes, it's a process. This thing is a process. And so for me, I, when it comes to the vanity, I'll just start with that. Um, 
there were so many times where, and, and honestly, I'm going to be real. Love you, babe, but I am. When my strongholds started heating up, when they started becoming more t- intense, was when Stephen and I got married. And this goes to show you how so connected you are with your spouse and the way you treat them. But his anger and the way he treated me and the religious spirits and the different things created a view of God to me in my mind. So when he would, when he would criticize me, I didn't see it as Stephen criticizing me. I saw it as this is how God feels about me. And, I, and, and over a process, and I'm not blaming everything on Stephen because Lord knows I had a lot of strongholds before we even come into it. But I'm talking about the things that really just connected with me. You're, you're so connected with your spouse, so it's so important how you talk to them and how you treat them. And so, and so when Stephen and I, you know, we got married, and so there, was, there was a lot of things that just began to form. And that's when I really developed my view of God. It really is. I, I knew about God, but as far as being exposed to church and the things of God is when that really took place because he drew me in a church because he was so cute. Um, anyway, and so, you know, that's when it all started, really, pretty much. I mean, when, I, when the stronghold started becoming intense and really just taking hold of my mind, my mind, that's when it happened. Well, I knew Stephen thought I was real pretty, okay? So in my mind, I was like, okay, that's the one thing I have. If I can't be, and, and I'm going to be real, and just you said it, so I'm going to be real. In my mind, I was like, I'm never going to be spiritual enough. I'm never going to be godly enough. I'm never going to be what he wants me to be. Because I was trying to meet the standard of man, I mean, of course I would never be because I'm human. I'm imperfect. It's not going to happen. I'll never be, you know, in my human self what Stephen needed me to be, okay? But I had to take on the mindset. Eventually, it, it came around to the place where I had a revelation of God's love for me when it finally hit me. And, and I'll just read it. I wrote it out, so I'm probably just going to read this, so... And I mind you, I was in a place where Stephen and I were going through a divorce, literally. I mean, it's been six years now, but God healed our marriage. I mean, really, really, really healed it. And, and there were just, we both were strong-willed. We both, I had so much bitterness and so much anger and he did too. I mean, we were just, we were messed up. We were not happy people, were we, at all. Um, and so one thing led to another and, and we're going through a divorce. That's what, what happened. Um, so this is kind of my story from that point. It's a story from where um, that I really, really, God really just came down and, and, and spoke to me and just showed me who he is. Um, I actually call it Beulah. That's, I'll get into that. But um, it says, I've learned that God's word is my lifeline. It's my only means of survival. My time with Jesus keeps me awake in this life. It keeps me alive. There was a time when I was drowning in sin. Even after I had repented, I was sinking under the roaring sea of guilt and shame. Well, one night that all changed. Abandoned by everything that was familiar in a large cold room, I sat alone on a tiny hard bed with only sheer white curtains on the window. Shame had cost me everything. I had overcome sin, but the shame and the guilt was killing me. I was so confused and angry, and I was just plain broken. Shame had killed me as a person, a wife, and a mother. It had caused me so, I had caused so much pain to so many people, I honestly didn't even want to live anymore. While sitting there, trying to find God in the only way I knew how, I got on my little piano and started singing. Um, All of a sudden, I heard in my spirit, get your Bible and turn to Isaiah 62. Didn't even know what Isaiah 62 was. So I was like, okay. And it reads this. Because I love Zion, 
I will not keep still. Because my heart yearns for Jerusalem, I cannot keep silent. I cannot remain silent. I will not stop praying for her until her righteousness shines like... I'm going to cry. <laughs> shines like the dawn and her salvation blazes like a burning torch. The nations will see your righteousness. World leaders will be blinded by your glory. And you will be given a new name by the Lord's own mouth. The Lord will hold you in his hand for all to see. A splendid crown in the hand of God. Never again will you be called the forsaken city or the desolate land. Your new name will be the city of God's delight. The bride of God, Arbula. I can't even see my page. <laughs> for the Lord delights in you and he will claim you as his bride. So I thought, you know, that's a sign from God. He's going to heal my marriage. And at the time, before that, I didn't even want God to heal my marriage. Honestly, I thought, well, this is just, I don't have to deal with him anymore. Because I was still bitter. At that point in my, in my moment, I was still bitter. Okay, but when God came down and he spoke that to me, I knew that it was God's will for us to be healed. I, I knew that like the religious part of me knew that I knew God, you know, didn't want our marriage to break up. But honestly, my flesh didn't want that. I, I wanted the release. I wanted the release of that burden. But I was still praying. Okay, God, heal my marriage, heal my marriage. But it was more like robotic prayer. But I said when... When God said that, when I read that scripture, I, I said, I thought it was a sign from God telling me that my marriage would be healed. But immediately, when I heard, when I asked that, I was like, God, is this a sign that my marriage is going to be healed? His voice, if, and it wasn't audible, but the closest thing to audible that you can get to. I heard it just boom into my head and into my already racing heart. And as it radiated through me, I didn't catch these like, it wasn't joy. God's voice, it was not a voice of joy. It was actually a voice of reprimand. And, and the words he spoke were from a heart that was grieved. And he said to me, do you find more joy in being a bride to a mere mortal man than my earthly marriage with you? I mean, than my heavenly marriage with you? And so that hit me. And honestly, if you've never felt the jealousy of God... I don't know how to explain it, except it becomes a blanket. I mean, it's this, it's beautiful, but at the same time, it's something that can just pierce you so deep. And when I heard him say that, you find more joy in knowing that your marriage is going to be healed. God was sitting here trying to tell me, listen, I'm about to connect you with me in a way that you've never been connected before. And all I could see was, oh yeah, this is going to be healed. And God's like, you need to come up here. I'm trying to bring you higher. And when he said that, and when that, when I let that hit me, I just dropped to my knees and started bawling. I mean, I was crying and I was like, no, God, no, I want you more than anything. I want you more than anything. So suddenly I was overwhelmed with this weeping and, and the warmth of his presence. You know how that's God. You know, he can punch you in the gut, but at the same time, you know, he loves you. He's like a sour patch. <laughs> um, anyway. But I, I started, it was more of that woe is me. I mean, like a deep travail that welled up inside of me. Like Stephen was talking about, it's that moment when it becomes real. You quit playing games. You know what I mean? You're like, you know what? This is this just got real, real all of a sudden. And so this welling came up out of me. And it was almost like everything that had been bottled up in me, like, came out through that, through that welling. Um... I don't even know how many hours I cried. I mean, it probably was probably four, 
three or four, three or four hours. I literally laid there and cried and prayed and cried and prayed. <clears throat> that was that whole jealousy that is demanding at the, as the grave. Um, even even writing this, I still remember just that feeling of that that intense jealousy of God. But at that no, at that moment that night, my eyes were open to an emotion of God that I had only heard about. It was the jealousy of God. And it struck me, and it, that's what really changed me when I realized that I am his bride. You know, I'm not just a date. I'm not just like, he's not just my savior. He's not just, he is my husband. I mean, he's my, he's, it's Jesus. So anyway, that night I realized, I admitted before God, everything, I let it all out. I got so real with God. And every, from the darkest, most embarrassing things, you know, that you can imagine. That's how real I got with God. Everything I could pull out of myself, spoke them out loud. Spoke them straight up out loud. Which was really hard. It really, really was to, to admit those things. Um, anyway, let me get on down here. So I realized, you know, that God gave me a new name. And that new name was Beulah. The city, it's the, the, the bride of God, which is, which means Beulah. Um, and that's who I am now, you know, because of that. Well, after that, that experience, which was a really cool, awesome, I'm not downplaying that experience. It was great. But I still dealt with those things. It's not like they, God waved this magic wand over me and they disappeared. They were still there. I had the, I had the, you know, the get up and go to begin them. He gave me the strength to begin to face them. Let's put it that way. So I remember, and like I said before, this vanity thing was one of, was a was a very strong stronghold. And I don't even know if you remember me about six years ago. I was about forty pounds lighter, dressed a whole lot cuter. Um, but I, I mean, seriously, it was so bad that I wouldn't even like I wouldn't even go to the store. I'm talking running to the dollar store when you know everybody else is going to be in pajamas, greasy hair, and a ponytail. I would go there and I would have my shoes on. I would have to be dressed, you know, because to me that was a sense of that's where I got fulfillment. You know, like if someone looks at me and thinks I'm cute, she's dressed cute or what she has is cute. It, I'm just being real. It just is what it is. I would never have went somewhere like this. I would have went home, put my lip gloss on, changed my clothes. Seriously. But you know what I began to do? And I don't even know if you, if some of you remember this. I remember coming to church a couple of times and going out to eat and stuff. And I, inside, I wanted to put on these clothes and I wanted to dress up because we're about to go to like Chili's or something with the family. And, uh, I wore it like a t-shirt I had painted in and some shorts, put my hair in a ponytail. I did, I don't think I wore makeup for like two weeks, two or three weeks, just to break that for myself. Everything in me was like, girl, that is not cute. You need to go and put some, you know, some mascara on, do something to yourself, girl, tie the shirt, do something, you know, but I did, I did. I start, I began to do that. Everything that, that I was very deeply connected to and that I found fulfillment in it, like he said, I began to do the exact opposite. If my flesh felt like doing it, I was going to do something else. And it, it just worked. And I, I began to expose myself before the word of God. And that's where it comes in with the washing of the, the water of the word. The more you expose yourself to the word of God, it is going to change you. I promise you. And I remember, in, even in the beginning, I, I really never had had a desire to just read the word of God all the time. Frankly, 
a lot of it was like, blah, blah, blah. Okay, okay, okay. Give me to the good stuff, you know. But there, like, God gave me this desire just to begin to just read the word of God. And I would be reading something, but I wouldn't just read it. While I was reading, I had my heart out here. And I'm like, okay, God, let's do this. You know, let's get this out. And so... The more I exposed myself, the more I opened myself up. I was insecure with my family, all my little beautiful gowd people. You know, I'm like, they hate me. They all hate me. You know, and it isn't even until a couple of years ago where I finally was like, you know what? I'm going to let my walls down and just love hard. And if they don't like me back, oh, well, they're going to get some love from my side. But they've never, I mean, they love me so much. And so it was just something that it was more of an internal thing that I had to process out through my mind. I had to let my walls down because the more you keep walls up to people against people, you're shutting yourself out. Okay, that's what's happening. And that's all I was doing. I was closing myself off from everyone else. And the insecurity, you know, that another thing, I just had to let go. I just had to really just become vulnerable. And if you're ever going to get any kind of fulfillment out of, out of life, out of your relationships, you have to be vulnerable. And you have to look at your relationship and say, you know what? I'm not always right. Just, hey, that's like a scrolling sign, you know, that I have to play over and over in my head. Because that's still something that I deal with. I want to be right. Don't y'all? Like, I always want to be the one that's right. He, you know, I don't want him to be right. I don't want to know I did the wrong, you know. But at the, but I have to realize, you know what? Jennifer, you're not always right. Your attitude isn't always cute and it don't always smell good, okay? Sometimes your attitude's bad, you know. So I think just for me, just, just being honest. I remember pastor after, when I, when I got a prayer from him one time, he told me, he said, it, it just, it's something that I have taken and it's just, oh, it's just awesome. But he told me, he said, God is calling you to transparency now. Literally, God is calling you to transparency. Whatever is in you, you have to be real, you have to be exposed, and you have to open it up. So I encourage you, and, and that's having someone, having Stephen and, and that relationship with him to really just open up and say, okay, here's what I'm going through right now. For one, it brought us, our marriage, so much closer together. So much closer together. But it also gave me an accountability partner, you know. And that is, like, so key. Have someone that you can call and you can say, and I encourage you, let it be your spouse. I mean, if, if, if you can, if you can go there, do that. And, and having that accountability in our situation, my accountability partner being my spouse was, was the right thing to do. But... But that really, really helped me to be able to just be transparent with Stephen. So I just encourage you guys, you know, with these strongholds and with the different things. If you look at yourself and you, if you can look at yourself and say, eh, there's nothing I, nothing I can really think of that I need to work on, then you've probably got more than you. <laughs> wow. You've got a lot. I'm done, babe. Hey, man. Two scriptures I want to drop into your spirit. He with the sun sets free. It's free indeed. Not by might, nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. God's Spirit will not be one with our soul. It will not be one with our flesh. It will not be one with my desires and your desires. It will not be one with the desires and the dreams of this church. It will only be one with our spirit that is made connected and submitted to his spirit. Amen. I don't know what your strongholds are. I don't know if it's fine. I don't know if it's financial. 
I don't know if your grandparents, your parents were in debt and now you're in debt and you're struggling finding. I don't know. I don't know if it just started with your generation. I don't know what you're going through. But I do know I've heard the voice of God. And he says this. Deliverance is now. Deliverance is now. I don't know how long it may take you. I don't know how long your process will be. But I can tell you this. It will be a continued process of crucifying your flesh. But it took me three days before I felt it in the inside. But I still had to crucify the flesh. It took Jacob all night long. But did he still have to face his brother the next day? You better believe he had to face his brother the next day. It calls Isaiah, when he's, seen, when he's seen the presence of God, it calls him to begin to examine himself. It calls Moses 40 years on the backs of the desert. I don't know what it will cost you. I don't know how long it's going to take. But I can assure you that it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. Amen, church? Let's break some strongholds, right? Let's break them in your life, in your home, in this church, and let's go in this community and set this community on fire for Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's be one with the Spirit. Stand with me tonight. Father, we love you. And we magnify you as the Messiah. <laughs> the King. Wow. That makes me excited to know that you are my King. And we submit to you tonight as ruler. Submit to you as leader and guider. God, any area of our life that we have been leading... And we have been ruling. I pray that our eyes would be open and be revealed to us that we may submit. And our spirit, our spirit may work out the soul. Our spirit may work out this plan of salvation. Our spirit may work out the plan that you set in order for our spirit to be one with your spirit. Trumping and overthrowing and crucifying the soul, the fleshly and the sinful nature. I prophesy tonight a fresh revelation over your children. I prophesy, God, fresh relationship. I prophesy a fresh desire over your children tonight to become one with the Spirit of God. I command strongholds to break and strongholds to bow to the name of the Lord. I speak over you tonight in the supernatural realm. Every stronghold, hear the voice of the Lord. Hear the voice of the Almighty God, not by might, nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. You have to break. Because the Spirit of God that lives within inside of us, that rose Jesus Christ from the grave, and now lives in the church. And you have to come under subjection now to the will and the kingdom and the authority of an Almighty God. I don't care how long it's been there. I don't care how long it's strong, how strong it is. I don't care how deep its roots run. By the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, I command the yoke to be broken from off your life and for freedom to reign in the name of Jesus Christ. I command he who the Son did set free to be free indeed. I, de- I release in Jesus' name a supernatural deliverance over your soul, over your mind, over your spirit, over generational curses in the name of Jesus I release a submission to I release a submission in your spirit to submit to the process of God I release now and prophesy that Friday and Saturday would be a day memorial for your life for your home and for this church in Jesus name we pray it
Amen. So be it. I'm done. Sherry wants to meet with all the parents of the teenagers. God bless you. You're dismissed.